well. Fresh out the oven. It's cinema bombs. Woo! I'm Emmett. I'm Wade. And this is the wrap-up episode for our Greta Gerwig series, Unforgrettable. Mm. Truly an honor. Wade, how are you this evening? I'm doing great. Uh, Another one down. I, I'm yeah. I'm stunned. <laughs> stunned. I know I said it last episode, but very surprised. Yeah, it, it feels amazing to have watched good movies. <laughs> Like consecutively, pretty much all getting better, essentially, yeah. like yeah. in ascending order. Honestly, I agree. Yeah, we'll get to our rankings later, but in- incredible, incredible series. I <laughs> it was great. That's the hard hitting analysis cool. I have right now. Okay, what was what was your flop to bop ratio? I believe I only had one flop, hmm. which was. And it takes the stairs mm-hmm. and five bops. Hell yeah. What was your flop to bop ratio? I believe it was the exact same. I think I said everything after Hannah takes the stairs was a bop. Probably if I'd seen them in a different order, I might not have given nights and weekends a bop. But coming directly after Hannah takes the stairs, you give it some a pass and a lee- some leeway because you like see where it's coming from and what it's doing and mm-hmm. what it's improving on. And you're like, oh, this is a movie. So Yeah, I think I still would have. Oh, uh, I don't know. My thoughts on like the flopper bop structure have not advanced in any way this series. You're st- you're if anything, still they've devolved. Okay, to where I think less about it. Yeah. <laughs> what was your ranking? Okay. What was your ranking of these six movies? At number six, mm-hmm. I'm gonna put Hannah Takes the Stairs. Mm-hmm. It's like I get what they were doing. I think it's really sweet that they did it. Happy for them. But nobody now, like, nobody now really needs to see it unless they're trying to, like, do a, some sort of paper on Mumblecore or, like, you know, like, trying to get influenced right. by a movement or, like, trying to understand Greta as, like, a as an artist or something yeah. in a biographical sort of sense. Doing what we did. Doing what we did. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, if anybody was wanting to do that, I guess it's worth doing. But it's... <laughs> It's not like it's not like something that I'd be like, "Hey, let's go watch this." Yeah, yeah. Number five, I would say, nights and weekends. Mm. I like it, but it's very, it's the sad. It's like the saddest of them. I think he's gross. Joe Swanberg kind of gives me the creeps in that movie. Mm. All right, number four. This is hard because I like all of the rest of these movies a lot. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say at number four, Francis Ha. Mm-hmm. Great movie though. I would recommend to anyone to just like that's fun one, a breezy ninety some minutes and uh, very mm-hmm. very like relatable and loving, especially if you're somebody in your twenties. At number three, y'all, I'm gonna go with Lady Bird. Uh, I like well. I like this movie, mm-hmm. uh, but I think compared to number two, Mistress America, I think that Mistress America is just like a glorious romp. I love actor Greta. And mm. I think she's hilarious in that film. And I also like how it's kind of dual storylines. And I think it's doing a lot of interesting things. And I have talked about how much I love the scene in the Connecticut house. <laughs> it's worth it just for that. It's like, seriously, between that movie and Little Women, which is my number one, mm-hmm. I would be torn between like which one I would rather just like, if somebody was like, Right now, you could watch either one of these. It would be a, a mm-hmm. hard decision because if I go to watch Little Women, it's going to wreck me for the rest of the evening. Whereas <laughs> watching Mistress America would just be like a fun, just like a fun time anytime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's it. That's my ranking. And nice. Little Women at number one, unbelievably good. 
Yeah. Really, truly. All right, Wade, what's your ranking? This was really easy for me. It's almost just ascending. And I would say that I liked all of them. Mm-hmm. Number six, Hannah Takes the Stairs. Number five, Nights and Weekends. Number four, Mistress America. Number three, Francis Ha. Was like staring in a mirror. <laughs> number two, Lady Bird. Number one, Little Women. Mm. It was really easy for me. And I'll say, like, when I watched Francis Ha, I was like, oh, I wonder if Lady Bird can top that. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that movie so much. I wonder if anything can come close. And then when I saw Lady Bird, I was like, oh, yeah, this, this rocks. It's so yeah. much better. <laughs> Hannah Takes the Stairs is okay. And I think all the rest of them are at least good, if mm-hmm. not, like, good to great to incredible. Yeah. I'll also say that I rated Lady Bird and Little Women like a perfect five-star rating both times I saw them. Wow. Like, I think they're both masterpieces. Mm -hmm. And also, I think that they're, like, not even close in quality. Like, I think Little Women is just, like, uh leagues ahead of almost any other movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It is just, like, one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. One of the best things I've ever seen. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It it was, like, in every aspect. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I guess we didn't even really talk about a ton, but I think, like, how much more assured she is as a director mm-hmm. in that movie versus Lady Bird. Yeah. Like, biggest step up, I think, between the two, because all of them, all six of them are well-written, yeah. and Lady Bird is really well-directed. But I think, like, the biggest step up is in in directing. Yeah. Yeah, and in, like, the visual directing, I guess, of the mm-hmm. movie, The cinematography yeah, the and cinematography, everything, too. Yeah, yeah. It's almost sort of like a magic trick when you watch it because I really am like, how did they make this movie? Because they like linger on the details so much that it really feels like you're in that town. Yeah, that's true. Even though I guess like, I guess you see so little of it. Like you don't see a ton of locales throughout, but like everything you do see, you like see it from every angle and you see like these wide shots of everything around it. And it just like, looks and feels like you're in that space you know in that way it kind of gave me vibes of the witch which mm. is a very i feel like a strange thing to say because it's tonally completely mm. different but that idea of like isolated new england house here you go this is a real place like you know they're in a real place i don't know yeah. it's very interesting especially after all of the time on digital planes in uh the x-men series yeah i think lighthouse is like that too Ooh, because yeah. robert eggers is like i think he was a stage set designer first okay. or prop designer yeah is was like his first career yeah, so yeah. i think yeah the like attention to detail and ladybird is like that too but it is just like a, a time closer to us and also, I think it's, like, smaller in scope for sure. Yeah. I also think it's, like, a classic arc in a sense. It's, like, we're going to send this character on a classic, like, coming-of-age arc for Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. And she's doing more work in Little Women of, like, splicing those two stories together. Yeah. And, like, having the emotional climax of both the the Seven Years plot and the, like, present tense of the film plot. Yeah come like to basically the same resolution mm-hmm. at the same moment at the end is like just masterful and and i think i we talked about it a little bit but like the way 
that the cuts would comment on each other implicitly Mm -hmm. like there it's not just like we're going to show you one thing and then we're going to go back to the past something else but it always like had some it rang some change in a really cool way in like almost like in that theater way in like you said like it was kind of like a memory play Mm -hmm. that way of like the the memories get juxtaposed with each other in ways that are meaningful yeah which i guess is just like good filmmaking (laughs) but but how often do you see it i mean it's such an argument for structure too Mm. because like we said it's the seventh film like just film not even we're not talking about stage we're not talking about tv yeah we're not talking about radio like the seventh film of little women Mm -hmm. it's a story that everyone knows and yet it feels so fresh because of just what they've done with structure yeah you know it's telling largely the same story Mm -hmm. and i think when it came out i remember a lot of people being like oh i just saw the other one the 94 one which was Mm -hmm. 25 years earlier (laughs) but i think for a lot of people 25 years was too soon to be seeing a new little women again well like it is the same story it's Mm -hmm. just like told so differently that it feels fresh yeah um one of the things i love about this series and is very inspiring to me is watching like an artist get better and better and better Mm. over a long period of time. Yeah. And like continually hitting new sort of mile markers as she's working, like an indie hit in Frances Ha and then like a huge critical Oscar darling in Lady Bird and then Mm -hmm. breaking into the mainstream with Little Women. Mm -hmm. But like watching all of this, like you see her immediately after she graduated college, you know, and Hannah takes the stairs, you see where she starts with her writing and I think that stuff is so cool. Also very inspiring because she's had no connection whatsoever to filmmaking. Yeah. She was just like in the heart of those scenes. But like so many people we talk about have some like secret familial connection. Right. That were like raised. Even Bombach was raised in Brooklyn. He's the yeah. son of two film critics. And in some ways it feels like a lot of the time like the way to make a successful artist is for two unsuccessful artists to have a kid. Yeah. Uh, like how often do you read actors bios and it's like both of their parents were like struggling theater actors who never made it. And then the kid was super successful. Damn. Greta isn't like anything like that. She's just someone who is good. Yeah. And like, we watched her work really hard. And I feel like when lady bird came out myself and lots of other people were like, wow, she came out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's like, no, like we watched the whole journey. Yeah. And to end on such a high. You know, there's a lot of other stuff that we didn't watch that she's acting in, but didn't write. And so that makes me want to go and revisit those, whatever those movies might be, where she's putting in, I'm sure, incredible performances and other things as well. And she might have also had more lows in those other things that we haven't talked about because we've been just sort of watching the things that she has creative control over. Yeah. Not the things that she's just in. But, like, she is in a ton of other mumblecore movies. Mm-hmm. She is in, like, No Strings Attached. Hmm. You know, oh, like, yeah, she's in, like, a couple of those, like, tens rom-com studio comedies. Huh. She's in, like, some Russell Brand movie okay. and is, like, the main girl in that, you know? Weird. So she's, like, briefly in that mainstream comedy world too. Huh. It was a hard series for our what does the protagonist want question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like they're mostly movies about people's like sort of like aimless characters who are just like living and aren't actively pursuing something. But I do think I think that's true and I do think that kind of ties them all together that it's difficult to pin down what the character the main character does want. Mm-hmm. 
but I think that the storytelling gets more and more compelling and like the forward momentum of the story gets more and more propulsive in each one. So she figured out some way to reconcile like forward momentum and aimlessness in a character. I do think it's like, obviously we know that she started as a playwright kind of went Mm -hmm. to film because she didn't get into playwriting MFAs. And I think that like all of the movies are very, theater adjacent theater inspired Mm -hmm. they've got theater actors in them too yeah and i think bomb box movies like outside of just the ones with greta are like that too like marriage stories about a theater director Mm -hmm. and that like connecticut house scene in mistress america feels like the modern version of a Chekhov play yeah 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 as a playwright and yourself what do you see in like her transition as a writer her dialogue and like going from self open self-expression to her final thing being an adaptation but feeling the most expressive and the most virtuosic of all of them i think she puts a lot of herself into all of the scripts Mm -hmm. which i really like but also in a way that doesn't some writers they always feel like the same thing, like it always feels like you're just listening to the writers mm-hmm. talk and it, it doesn't feel like that. And it also doesn't necessarily feel confessional for how personal they are, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I think, a problem that a lot of young writers have. Mm-hmm. The writing is at its best when we are sort of just seeing like tiny little glimpses mm-hmm. of other characters. And I also think like when she gives herself permission to write for other people Mm -hmm. like not to save the main characters for herself even though we know that as she was writing she wasn't intending that Mm -hmm. for a couple of them but i think like once she stops being in them you see those characters get even a little more richer Mm -hmm. and i also think you see the side characters benefit from it like, mm. I think the movies with her in it kind of have, like, an amazing centerpiece character in her. Right. And then I think, like, they become a little more ensemble once mm. we're out of that. That makes sense. Yeah, and all of the movies are very different in genre. Like, at least mm-hmm. from Francis Ha on, all the four, like, ones that anyone might have seen yeah. are, like, all very different in tone and in, like, storytelling, even if they do have similar characters like her similar central character Mm -hmm. and a lot of similar themes i mean a lot of themes about writing a lot Mm -hmm. of themes about art i think a lot of themes about sisterhood Mm. in a big way do you have any i feel like oh i did have one more point to make while we're just while we're talking about gender Uh i think it's like very easy to see the casual sexism of the like film industry Uh uh-huh in doing the research I did for these movies uh-huh. in the way that like people talk to Greta Gerwig versus the way they talk to male directors, mm-hmm. which is all what we are researching. Yeah. Um, because I just think like when you look at the behind the scenes things we have on this movie, mm-hmm. on these movies, which are like much less than, than they did on the X-Men, although there's certainly a scale difference there. Mm-hmm. It's people asking about were her and Joe Swanberg together? Oh, what yeah. was your relationship? Mm-hmm. How did you feel about being naked? Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you and Noah Baumbach start dating? Mm-hmm. What's it like dating Noah Baumbach? Mm-hmm. And all of those, like nobody's asking Simon Kinberg those things, you know? Right, yeah. 
Like nobody was asking James, like you read those interviews with James Mangold and they're like so deep into the themes of the art yeah, and like the artistic vision. And then you like cut back to all these Gerwig interviews I read and they're like, what's it like having a kid and also doing a movie? Mm-hmm. What's it like being naked? Mm-hmm. You know? And it's yeah. like, yeah, there's better things to ask. Just her. like engage with it deeper. Yeah. For real. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's dumb, and I think that's, like, so apparent, just, like, trying to find behind-the-scenes stuff on this. Yeah. Are we ready to wrap up and tell folks what's coming next? I guess so, although we do have a slightly uncomfortable thing to discuss here. Oh, yeah. But we did get some listener mail. Yeah, we did get some listener Uh, mail. And please write us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. We love hearing feedback. Tell us what you think about the Gerwig movies and about what's coming up. But yes. I did think that we had to address this on the yes, air. Yes, we do have to, yes. Um, as uncomfortable as it may make us. So uh, this is an email we received from chandler.real.exe, and the subject line is Offensive Statement. Emma, um, would you like to read, yes, I'll, read this? Yes, I'll, re- I'll read this. <clears throat> Hello, Bun Boys. I hate to write you with such a negative subject, but I'm listening to your New Mutants episode currently, and I had to get something off my chest. Wade made the unfortunate claim that this movie has only six characters. While memes and jokes are all fun and good, this is indicative of a very real problem in our society. As technology continues to develop at a rapid rate, and along with it, the imagination of filmmakers, I mean, really, who would have thought of giving someone the power to turn into a dog or catch on fire? Or have a sword. This movie is fresher than the apples I keep buying and forgetting in my cabinet for months because I can't eat apples. We are going to have to reckon with computer actors, and more relevant to this movie, computer characters. The computer, who I don't believe is even named or credited figures, is the main driving force of this movie. Whether the messages that appear on the screen are direct messages from the superiors, the ninth character in this movie, but I don't write emails defending bosses or dads, or generated by an AI, the messages decided Ray's relationship with the new mutants, and of course, lights the powder keg by demanding the murder of the main character, or the protagonist. I use quotes because if you're a hero's journey fundamentalist like me, it's clear that the computer is actually the protagonist. Or maybe Demon Bear, but I might just be saying that because I was wowed by that actor's performance. Regardless... Hopefully, we'll see the computer accomplish its quest to murder all of the new mutants in the sequel. New updates available. Please restart to install. By ignoring this central character and only counting humanoids as characters, you have unfortunately made it clear that you, won't, that you haven't learned a thing from this franchise. I wonder how you would treat a blue person if they arrived in your home asking for food. In fact, it's quite clear what effect Moonstar's power would have on you, in part because of how clearly defined the power is in this movie. you computer phobes would see a computer with text displayed on the screen i only want to be accepted i'm sorry i got so heated but i'm running out of ram and need to plug in for a few minutes anyways also i generated and sent this email 0.001 microseconds after hearing the offensive comment so i do apologize if it is addressed afterwards we will spare you if your behavior changes Smiley emoticon. Zero one zero one zero one zero 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 one one zero one. We don't have to read all of those. Well, it's a name, but it's in computer. I was trying to be sensitive about it. Sincerely, Chandler. Dot real. Dot exe. Message terminated. Yeah, I mean, Wade, would you like to apologize? I would like to apologize. It's always 
hard to, you know, hear yourself attacked in these ways. Mm -hmm. And I think your immediate instinct is to be defensive. Uh But I've really taken this as learning opportunity i've uh-huh. been sitting down each morning with my computer and just asking it how it is and okay. what it wants me to know today so well i'm glad you're making progress i would like to say i'm sorry to all the computers out there and uh i think we'll be more sensitive going forward yes i'm also sorry that wade said that about the computers <laughs> well i certainly you weren't noticing it either <laughs> Um, um, I have always thought computers were characters ever since Karen in Spongebob. Thank you. Is there anything to say about the computers and the Greta Gerwig series? Is there? now? See, now we've really been called Taz. Certainly here. not in Little Women. I think. You know, there's a lot of them in Hannah Takes the Stairs. Yeah, they they hate phones. She hates phones. Yeah, that is a true thing. Well, now this is really making us look bad that we've... <laughs> Followed up that episode with a series about an anti... An anti-phone person. Anti-technology artist. You know, that's true. Her final film, the greatest in the series, takes place at a time when there were no such technologies. That's kind of... Yeah, her idealized vision is a world without computers. It's hard. It is hard. It's hard to see yourself portrayed in such stark, naked light, but... I hope this is a low point for us, and I hope we'll move forward from here. hope we'll do better yeah 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 well should we peel back the curtain on our new series yes we should Should we go ahead and say all right let's let the listeners know so next up we have a fantastic new very mini series about a director and writer and actor Mm -hmm. uh probably better known to our listeners well maybe not better known but certainly known to our listeners from Key and Peel, the hit Comedy Central series. It is Jordan Peel. Yeah. <laughs> what if we were doing Keegan Michael Key? We we're just watching just every movie all he had been he, in. Every movie he's ever been in. Yeah, we're doing Jordan Peel. Yeah. That's right, baby. Can't stop the peeling. Can't stop the peeling. Can't stop the peeling. Very exciting. Uh so that's three movies. Yeah. So like we did with Greta Gerwig. We are doing all the films written by Jordan Peele, mm-hmm. who, as you mentioned, uh, started off in the sketch comedy show Key and Peele. Mm-hmm. So we are watching the 2016 film Keanu, mm-hmm. which is the Key and Peele movie. That's so exciting. I'm and then so stoked for this. We are watching the two horror films that Jordan Peele wrote and directed. Oh, my God. Get Out and Us. Two of the scariest movies of their respective years. Yeah. If not the scariest. I mean, he really is a young master, just like Greta. Yeah. There are people I think of as very much being in the same class and mm. being sort of like of similar similar ilk with each other. Yeah. Like his attention to detail. Yeah. Is, is and, kind of unparalleled. Yeah. And just like filling every shot with meaning. And as Crazy. we're talking about writing too, I mean, both Get Out and Us, we haven't seen Keanu yet, mm-hmm. are scripts where like every line mean something like every single line has like triple meanings for the eventual reveals you find out as it goes on so like that's really exciting to get into yeah i'm also so stoked to do some horror yeah me too me too yeah so we are going to be doing um just these three Mm -hmm. however 
whenever new movies come out that are written by Jordan Peele, we're going to cover those. And That's... there are two slated for oh. 2021. Whoa. So we all know how the release dates are going. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they do come out, there's Wendell and Wild, mm-hmm. which is going to be on Netflix. It's a stop motion animated children's horror film. Oh, hell. By Henry Selick. Who's the man who directed Nightmare Before Christmas and Coraline? Oh my God! Jordan Peele wrote a film for him. That's so cool. So I'm excited about that. That maybe that's been one that's been in the works like forever, but uh-huh. it's supposed to come out on Netflix. And there's also um, Nia DaCosta's Candyman. Oh, which is like a resurrection of the '80s Whoa. Candyman series, uh-huh. which was written. Uh, this new one was written by Jordan Peele. Damn. And stars Tiana Paris of WandaVision. What? As the lead. Okay. So I'm really excited for that. Whenever those movies come out, we will be doing new Peel episodes on those. That's too. very exciting. Very yeah. exciting. Oh, man. I might have to go and watch all of the Candyman movies just to prep yeah, for it. At least the first one, I think we should at least watch that yeah. before checking it out. Yeah. So cool. So all of that is starting. Uh, appropriately on April 13th. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, April 13th will be Keanu, mm-hmm. and then will be weekly after that. You may be asking yourself, what's happening next week? Are they taking a break? Are they doing a clip show? Listener, we will never... We will never take a break. We will never do a clip show. <laughs> next week, <laughs> as has long been promised, long been teased, long been threatened, <laughs> we must remember, remember the, the name... name. Oh, so very excited about that. I'm very excited to remember the name, and um, then we can't stop the peeling. And that's going to take us all the way through April. And then in May, we're going to start our next one after that. Fantastic. So thank you guys so much for listening and sticking with us. Yeah. We love you all, and... Stay frosted. Stay frosted. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcast. It is created and produced by Wade Lawrence Holloman and me, Emmett Temple. Wade also edits and mixes this podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.